You're listening to Coast to Coast Latino. It's hard to believe that this song was released this day back in 1999. It was co written by Carlos Santana and Rob Thomas. Rob Thomas, of course, is uh, doing the lead uh, singing, Carlos Santana, the lead guitar playing. This song won three Grammy Awards in 1999, and it's the only time that Rob Thomas has ever won a Grammy Award, by the way. He's the former frontman of the band Matchbox 20, and uh, although they had a number of uh, hits, they never won any Grammys until he co-wrote this one with Carlos Santana. It's available on iTunes if you want to check it out. Uh, the video is available on uh, YouTube. And uh, one of the best songs that came out in 1999. Good Friday. My name is Adrian Perez. I am your host here at Coast to Coast Latino, bringing you news and information about Latinos across the United States. Uh, we are sponsored by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to the arts and enhancing the community. We're also sponsored by U-Haul. For your storage and moving needs, contact U-Haul. And we're brought to you by OIC Tax Services. If you find yourself in trouble with the IRS, contact OIC Tax Services. Visit them at OIC. Dot com. Again, good Friday. Thank you for joining us uh, this this uh, incredible Friday, the day after the uh, real presidential debate that occurred last night. And for those of you who paid attention, it was in fact a real presidential debate. We didn't see any tantrums. We didn't see any interruptions. And in fact, uh, both of them were quite cordial. Uh where some uh, political pundits are saying it was a toss-up. Uh, from my perspective, Joe Biden took the edge on it, primarily because of his response to two key areas, uh, the, the uh, pandemic, how the pandemic has now killed well over 211,000 people in the United States, and, uh, and how he would handle it which is something that Donald Trump has not done. Uh, Donald Trump ha continues to say that uh, he has a plan, but in fact, he's never had a plan. And as a result, you have this, you know, this, this discombobulated effort to address uh, COVID-19. The other thing uh, that, that uh, they both covered was health care. And uh, Donald Trump is focused on the idea of undoing Obamacare first before he introduces his own health care. And, of course, Joe Biden is saying, no, you can't do that, not in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, you have to address the, the millions of people that will be negatively impacted by taking away their health care. And to me, those were the two uh, biggest selling points. I know some of you are probably saying, well, what about the immigration component? The thing about immigration is that it's it's a lot more complicated than, uh, than it appears. Uh, both of them were accurate in their statements. I mean, when Donald Trump said 
Joe Biden and Barack Obama were the ones who started caging the kids, uh, that's true. That's not a false statement. That's a very much a true statement. What is also a true statement is what Joe Biden said regarding the uh, Trump administration ripping the kids out of the hands of their parents. And as a result, today we have uh, almost 550 kids, children, Latino children, immigrants, who are not experiencing the love, the caring, the touching of their parents because the Trump administration ripped them out of their parents' hands. And now the Trump administration is unable to locate those parents. And so those kids who still remain essentially in a detention center are, uh, are not being given the proper uh tools, the proper and necessary treatment to be able to grow up as normal children. It's a, it's a significant impact. And uh, as a result, again, I, I, uh, I believe Biden was a lot more effective in, uh, in uh, responding to that. I know uh, Donald Trump was looking for dropping a a, an October surprise with this uh, thing of uh, Biden accepting uh, foreign cash, foreign money, and uh, everybody's jumping on board. All the Trump supporters are jumping on board, calling Biden a criminal, a uh, a, a traitor to our country for selling out things to other. You know, we can go both ways on this street. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I don't see it as a big, uh, major October bomb. What I see it as is more along the lines of ugly politics rearing its head towards the end of the election. But here's the most important data of all. We have the largest number of people who have already voted in the history of the U.S., uh, almost triple what we saw in 2016. And I've said it before, and I'm going to repeat it again, because statistically speaking, every time that we have a massive voter turnout, Democrats win. And I believe that as a result, we're probably going to see a major landslide election in favor of Joe Biden. Are Americans tired? Yeah. This thing has been exhausting, whether it's the pandemic, the denials of the president, the lying of the president, the uh, the inability to open up our economy safely, and of course, the inability of people receiving some type of relief to be able to put food on their table, be able to pay the rent and for small businesses to not only be able to pay the rent, but to be able to open their doors and keep them open. When people don't have money, they won't go to your business and spend any money. That's a fact. And we're seeing it throughout the United States. Donald Trump has mishandled even that. Although there's a lot of people who claim that he has... Uh, this uh, 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 incredible ability 
to fix the economy. Truth is, he doesn't. Because if he understood that, he would have been pushing for some kind of federal remedy across the United States. Instead, he keeps attacking democratically run cities and states. And he feels that they should be punished for being Democrats. Not realizing that a lot of his voter base live in those cities and states. And it's amazing how he continuously believes that he has to punish democratically run cities and states. We're all Americans, folks. Doesn't matter whether you're red or blue. When you cut us, you see us as American. When we fight a war, we fight as Americans. And all you need to do is look at our history, our true history of who we are, the number of Latinos that fought in everything from the American Revolution all the way to the more recent battles in the Middle East. We have huge numbers of Latinos serving in the American forces. And we have millions of people that are contributing to American society through their taxes, through their donations to philanthropy uh, organizations. And of course, we have Latinos who are proudly serving as elected representatives in everything from school boards to state legislatures and, of course, into Congress. We have a lot to lose if we don't change the picture. And we need to change the picture. There's no question about it. The executive level has to get changed. And it's not because they won't change. It's because we have the authority and the necessity to make that change. Joe Biden is not the greatest individual. There's no question about it. Kamala Harris is not the greatest individual to be vice president either. Just like Mike Pence is not the greatest individual to continue on uh, as president if uh, Donald Trump were to be incapacitated somehow. But the thing is, is that the change is essential to be able to move our country into a more proper, organized direction. We've become the laughingstock of the, of the world. There are so many surveys now that have been conducted by so many companies and so many nonprofit organizations, credible organizations like the Pew Center. And all of them are showing that the, the dominance, the, uh, the uh, pride that America had across the United States and the world is no longer there. And in order to fix it, we need to make some changes at the executive level. All you need to do is look at major corporations. What do major corporations do when they start bleeding money? They change their CEOs. Donald Trump is our CEO. It's time to make the change because we have to fix things. And I know some of you say, well, no, he's doing great with the stock market. Understand that if you have a portfolio in the stock market, you have a lot to lose by changing Donald Trump. But all you need to do is do two things. Look at your bank account and see if you have, in fact, a stock portfolio. 
If you have a stock portfolio, yeah, I don't blame you. But if you don't, like the majority of Latinos in the United States of America, guess what? It's not about you. It's about the stock market. And as a result, you need to really assess whether or not you want Donald Trump to continue being your leader and your president, especially in such terrible times that we've experienced. 2020 has been the worst year for many, many people. Latino businesses continue to shudder across the United States. Every single newspaper that I read, and I read about 150 newspapers per week, and almost every single one of them is talking about how hard this pandemic has hit small business owners, especially Latino businesses. Now, the great thing about it is strong entrepreneurs are looking at their options and they're saying, well, do I really need to be only in the restaurant business or can I do something else? And so some of them are reinventing themselves. There's a big demand, for example, in the construction industry. So some Latino businesses are shutting their doors as restaurants, turning around and being providers of contract services, including uh, construction, plumbing, uh, concrete, uh, framing, etc. Everything that is required in the construction world. And some of them are being very successful. Others are still finding it very difficult to make ends meet. Now, as small business owners, it's important to recognize that when that person opens up their small business, they're not only paying the lease, they're paying utilities, they're paying employees, they're, pay, they're paying employee taxes, social security, health benefits. Uh, and they also have to have enough money to be able to carry inventory. And then whatever's left over, that's their salary. And so when some of you say, well, geez, you know, this small business, Latino businessman, he's making $120,000 a year. Well, that you're talking about gross. The question is, what is he netting? And the average small business owner that is making $120,000 a year, he's netting in the neighborhood of $30,000 for him and his family. And like you, uh, the average person, the average Latino out there who is not a business owner, that small business owner still has to pay a mortgage or house rent, has to raise a family, has to provide for that family, has to pay for the car. And to believe that just because you're a small business owner, you have a lot of money is very naive. Very, very naive. You have to understand how money works in the business world. Uh, there are only so many government jobs that Latinos can take. And as it is, government employment is still pretty bad for Latinos. If you look across the United States and the federal government, we are lacking in numbers. If there were an ability to do quotas in every single state and in the federal government, we would never be able to reach the quotas. 
in California, where Latinos are 40% of the population, they represent only 22% of the total number of state employees. If there was a quota, state government would have to be 40% Latino. But today, it's, it's, it's a far cry from it. And uh, I've heard it more than once. If Latinos were, charge, uh, were in charge of the uh, Employment Development Department, we wouldn't be experiencing the many headaches, the many hassles that the Employment Development Department is now experiencing, unable to uh, be able to process unemployment applications, unable to make payments. In fact, today they announced that uh, they are going to put a hold on all uh, debit cards that have been released uh, to individuals who submitted a, an unemployment uh, uh, benefit uh, claim because of potential fraud. So California is going to be hurting, and it's going to be hurting a lot. Who do we blame? Who do we... Well, let me tell you. Let's go back to the whole idea of the CEO of a corporation. If, if, if a state is bleeding money, you got to blame the CEO. In this case, we have to blame the governor. Governor Gavin Newsom initially took proper steps to be able to address the pandemic. But an undercurrent has always been happening here, where uh, him and other Democrats have been finding, looking for ways to be able to tax people, tax Californians, to be able to raise money, to be able to pay for the many uh, uh, items that they not only would like to have, but they've, that they've also promised their voters. And during a pandemic, during this, this employment crisis or unemployment crisis, and the fact that so many small businesses are unable to pay the, the, the bill, what's going on? On the undercurrent, where do we find the money? Well, we look for low-end millionaires. Guess what? Every single major newspaper in California has already reported that those low-end millionaires are packing the bags and leaving the state of California. Who is going to be left to pay all these bills? Latinos. Latinos make up the largest number of people in poverty in the United States and especially here in California. All you need to do is look at the numbers in the Central Valley of California. Everything between Sacramento and, and Bakersfield, California. Those are the farm worker fields. Those are the ones. Ag is still the number one product exported for California. It's the largest money maker for the state of California, even way more than than uh, tech. But if you have an inability to pay these farm workers, that's going to have a negative impact on your ability to produce ag products and put them out there and distribute them. Will Latinos start leaving the state of California for other states? 
Well, that's already happening. And again, all we need to do is look at uh, look at the newspapers, what they're reporting, and uh, including the 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 uh, the Sacramento Bee, the one that refused to publish anything regarding people leaving the state of California. And uh, for the first time, we're actually seeing the Sacramento Bee also reporting that data. Uh, changing up a little bit, what I'd like to do is cover, uh, uh, go back to the elections and cover a little bit about what's going on with Latino voters and, and uh, The Guardian is reporting that the Latino community, Latino voters, are the targets of election disinformation. And as a result, uh, there are many activists that are stepping up, trying to explain things uh, to Latino voters. Uh, what we're discovering is that a lot of the uh, misinformation is coming from Russia and Iran. And uh, it's it, it's having an impact, but perhaps it's been caught early enough to not have that level of impact that I think that they were uh, anticipating. But some of the messages that are being put out there on social media paint Joe Biden as a socialist. Uh, that uh, essentially, uh, if he gets elected, uh, we will see. Uh, the United States become another Cuba or another Venezuela. Uh, there's a conspiracy theories on YouTube about Barack Obama in Spanish uh, that's, that talks about the same thing, that Barack Obama's initial effort to make the United States a socialist country will continue uh, if Joe Biden is elected. And, uh, and uh, as uh, Daniel Acosta Ramos, the investigative researcher for a nonprofit called First Draft, says, we usually see this kind of disinformation uh, in locations with larger Latin uh, Latino populations, such as Miami, Houston, and Los Angeles. So the attack has been nationwide, and uh, we're seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of Latinos uh, because of the number of Latino eligible voters this year. It's it's humongous. And so everybody's targeting them, including the, uh, the, uh, the hackers and the disinformation people. In Florida, for example, 20% of eligible voters in 2018 were Hispanic. That's nearly double the amount of uh, eligible voters in 2000. In Arizona, Latinos accounted for 24% of all eligible voters in 2018. And of course, those numbers have now uh, significantly increased because of the efforts of many nonprofit organizations uh, throughout the United States who have tried desperately to register Latino voters. But when your numbers become so significant where people know that you can actually impact outcomes, that's when the disinformation starts showing up. And voter education is, is so critical. And there's some nonprofits out there who have made efforts to try to get our communities educated on, on the issues, 
on the candidates and uh, also on the disinformation that shows up, uh, those organizations, unfortunately, need to step up even more as our population continues to grow and as the number of eligible voters continue to grow. But uh, if you want to catch uh, the article in The Guardian, uh, you can uh, you can visit uh, Coast to Coast Latino on Facebook. Go to our Facebook group, Coast to Coast Latino Facebook group, and we post all the articles there. In fact, we post articles on a daily basis there. And uh, check out some of the some of the things that are happening, what people are saying, what newspapers are saying, uh, what programs are available, what organizations are doing what. And uh, more recently, I received an email uh, from uh, from one of our readers who says one of the things that I like about your podcast and your Facebook group is that we're able to look at things from a different perspective. Well, that's our goal. Our goal is for you to look at things from a different perspective. There are dozens and dozens of ideas out there that you can that you can adopt for your community, for your nonprofit, for your business. And all that information is out there. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Just read, expand your mind, learn more, and then be able to be as creative as you want to be. Uh, some of the things that, uh, that uh, we've been publishing for the last several months is how communities have come together to help out Latino small businesses. Well, now we're seeing Hispanic chambers throughout the United States adopting some of those ideas and helping small business owners. You know, it's, it's exciting to see that because the idea is to move our community forward continuously. As our population grows, we're 19% of the U.S. population. That means that one out of every five Americans is a Latino. We need to move our community forward. We need to meet the challenges of the future, whether it's in business, uh, education, and of course, public policy. And in public policy, we're doing our darndest to bring information that is worthy for you to be able to make important decisions. Should you vote blue, should you vote red? Or, as we recommend, should you start looking at candidates regardless of whether they're blue or red? Because the bigger question is, what are they bringing to the table that is going to be of benefit to the Latino community? We also need to look at financing. Do we understand how to manage money, how to better improve our finances, how to purchase homes, purchase commercial properties, etc. Uh, a lot of the immigrants who come here know the value of owning property, and that's why you see a lot of immigrants purchasing as much land and, and, and building as many homes as they can because they know the value of property. Uh, 
And then, of course, there's the education side of things. Every time we see a, a, a blue state managing education better, we see our kids improving in the quality and their ability to compete in the world. In California, unfortunately, uh, we're no longer there because we're ranked 48th in the United States for education. That's not good because we're, our kids make up almost 60% of all the student population in elementary schools up and down the state of California. And yet, many of these kids are getting such a poor education, they're unable to compete with kids from throughout the world, including India and other so-called third world countries. That's not good. California is the fifth largest uh, world economy for it to remain the fifth largest state world or the largest world economy, fifth largest world economy. It has to improve its economic status. It has to improve its education. And more importantly, it has to value the Latinos that live within the state. And so Democrats, Republicans, you need to heed to the need of the Latino communities and stop looking at things from such a such a limited political perspective. So again, I, I invite you to come over to Coast to Coast Latino on Facebook, uh, get to know the many articles, the many publications that are talking about us and the many things that are happening that are positive. As Julian Castro claims in a article by NBC News, he says that Latinos are in the driver's seat like never before. Uh, what may emerge after this election is a new electoral map. And that's pretty exciting when you think about it. And of course, Julian Castro was the only uh, Latino running for president in the Democratic ticket this year. Two years ago, or four years ago, we had uh, two Latinos running in the Republican ticket. Uh, and, and like I've said before, we have a lot of power. And the more power we have, the more people. Other organizations, other races are going to start paying attention to us. I want to thank you for joining us this Friday. Again, my name is Adrian Perez. I enjoy being your host here at Coast to Coast Latino, and I want to thank you for taking time from your busy day to listen to our 30-minute podcast. We are brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, U-Haul, and OIC Tax Services. We will be back on Wednesday of next week, bringing you news and information about Latinos across the United States. If you get a chance, check us out on our website at coasttocoastlatino.com. That's coasttocoastlatino.com. Until then, take care and be safe.